What's up, guys? You're listening to the Life in Motion audio experience, featuring interviews around travel, action sports, culture, and more. Hey, guys, and welcome to episode 14 of the Life in Motion audio experience. In this episode, I sit down with Austin Klim to talk about MMA and what drew him to this lifestyle. We dive into what it takes to prepare for a fight and how he handles wins and losses. Check it out. Hey guys, I'm here with Austin Clem, a uh, MMA fighter here in Springfield. Um, he's been in the cage for a while now, but recently just had his first opportunity to compete in some professional fights as well. Um, I know he has some great insights as far as you know what goes into the training, preparing for these kinds of fights, um, and kind of what that all looks like. But to go ahead and kick things off, Austin, um, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, you know what your story is, you know where you grew up, your kind of hobbies growing up, um, and those sorts of things. Um, well, I grew up just down the road in uh, Nixa, Nixa, Missouri. Um, as far as hobbies, I feel like I just really train a lot. Um, as long as I'm with family and friends, I really don't have any specific things that I care to do. Um, I w- anything with sports, I'm usually watching or competing in. Um, and I like to eat, and I like to drink a, <laughs> drink a beer a lot. <laughs> did you? So did you grow up playing team sports? I did, yeah. I actually, uh, I grew up playing every sport, and then about high school, I switched over to um, not every sport: football, baseball. Um, I ran cross country at one point, basketball. But then um, once I got time to start making teams for basketball, I transitioned because uh, I was a real small kid. I transitioned to uh, wrestling. Okay. And so I did that my entire life, but I focused more on it when I couldn't make the basketball team <laughs> anymore. <laughs> and that was in so. high school. Uh, that was actually junior high is when junior I high. Okay. made that full-time switch. Yes, sir. Awesome. So I guess that probably um, kind of had an effect of what kind of got you into the MMA lifestyle. But how did that all, you know, what, what made you want to throw yourself, you know, in a, in a cage with somebody, um, and, you know, go at it? You know, what what did that kind of look like? What what part of that lifestyle kind of drew you to that? Um, I, I just love the competitiveness of it and uh it's basically a wrestling match with punches is kind of how I looked at it. So it's something I was familiar with. But actually, I grew up and I loved boxing. Okay. And um, so I moved to Texas right after high school. And uh, I made friends with a guy named Ricky. And he was like, why boxing? Why don't you come to my jiu-jitsu gym? Which is wrestling with chokes is the best way to phrase that. And in the back, they had a Muay Thai gym. And so that's kind of how I, how I got into it. And after day one, the coaches in there were like, hey, have you ever considered this? And I didn't even think I was going to be able to afford the gym. And uh, I was going to school full-time also. And so I uh, started explaining that. And they're like, no, 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 you have a real talent. Like, if it means you'll train with us, you can almost train for free, basically. We'll work with you. And so they really cut me a deal. And that kind of made me think what potential maybe I do have so, over time. So so initially that was just, you know, when you were in Texas, almost turned into a hobby in itself yeah, right there. exactly, yeah. It was. And then, um, I mean, what... You know, I, I speak from not knowing too much about the sport, but mm-hmm. what did they see like in you specifically that um, you can attribute that to? Or I still don't know. They just said they could see that they thought I had it, so I don't know if after you coach for so long, you kind of yeah. see something in somebody. But they said I could punch hard, and I had a I was I picked up on things really fast, I guess, and so they really thought that I could have a knack for it. And then that was about three and a half years ago. And so it just kind of it's all fell together since then now. Okay, so so when you were still in Texas, how um or how long I guess were you in Texas before you moved back? Um, I moved to Texas the very end of 2011, and I moved back here the very end of 2016. Okay. So, but I only trained for about a month and a half down there before I decided to move back, move back home. 
Okay. So okay. So you started kind of training at the tail end of that. At the very experience. tail end of it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so when you when you moved back here, I guess I mean you only about you said about a month or so. That yeah. You train mm-hmm. on, so you just had enough of that. T- did you have any um, any like uh, amateur I, fights I had at no that fights time or, or anything? No. Um, I came up here and actually uh, within about a week and a half of. Moving back, I went into the gym I'm at now, which is a uh, Team Fusion, and they, uh, I talked to the guys, and they told me to come in, and I signed up, and of course I didn't stay with it very hard for like six months or so, and then it was right uh, about March, right after spring break is when I really got serious about it, and then two months after that, they said I was ready, and I got a fight. Wow. So it all happened pretty fast. Yeah, that does seem like it's a, a <laughs> yeah, kind of started rolling I had that quick. I had that wrestling background to fall on, in case anything... Anything were to I didn't do a whole lot of striking and stand up in my first fight. I just took him down over. And it just over again. yeah, kind of kind of playing it safe, but getting a yeah. good way to get your feet wet as well. Exactly yeah. Um, so so you started competing there. So that so it kind of sounds like it kind of just snowballed into it as far as getting into the um, into the amateur fights. What? So you said you weren't striking a lot during the first one, maybe mm-hmm. the first, and you know maybe a couple after that. What kind of I'm sure probably what drove you to to want to continue those fights or getting mm-hmm. involved with that is kind of the competitiveness of it. Absolutely. Not only, you know, obviously you're in the ring or the, the cage with somebody else, but, I mean, it's a challenge to your, yourself too, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah, I love challenging myself. And actually for the first two, three, I didn't hardly strike at all. I would just go in there and I did the bare minimum until I could take them down. And then my wrestling was good enough I could – I could just ground and pound, or I was able to choke them out or sub them from the ground, which will honestly probably always be my game. I love the ground game. But then uh, after that, my coach was like, okay, well, at some point you're going to meet someone who's a stud wrestler, a stud on the ground, and so they made me take a couple kickboxing matches. Okay. So it was pure kickboxing. I hated every second of it because <laughs> <laughs> I, I just am never going to be a, like a stand-up guy. But it definitely helped, and now I feel comfortable enough to stand. Okay. And trade and throw in the cage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's definitely it's more it's more than just two guys getting in there and slugging it out, which I I think the world is starting to see a little more of that now as yeah. the UFC con- continues to grow. But uh, every movement is calculated, which and so when you're just in a pure kickboxing thing, and I didn't have my wrestling to rely on, it made me think a lot more, and really made me make sure that all my movements were as calculated as they needed to be. Yeah, so how I'm trying to like imagine. Mm-hmm. Of course, I, I want to get into that a little bit later, but like you said, kind of calculated. And even that first like you know three or four times that you started like wrestling, I'm sure you were just able to uh, learn and kind of absorb and take in a lot as far as how to maneuver, even though you weren't actually striking, right. like yeah. you said. Yeah, well, because once you're in there, now that chokes are involved and subs are involved. The wrestling, although that's still, it's probably 70%, 75% what I'm used to, but you still have to make small tweaks and small adjustments because now you can get choked, whereas I didn't always have to protect my neck when I was in, in wrestling. And so there are little adjustments, and with every fight, I still feel like I learn. I learn all the time. Um, but yeah, through the first probably six to seven fights, I I felt like I was my mind was just blown with all the, everything I was learning with every fight. Yeah. But I think that's what drew me in, too, because it's, not only was I pushing my body, but I felt like I was learning so much at the same time. Wow. Yeah. So, and then as that progressed, how did these, um, how did these different amateur opportunities come up as far as fighting um, and to continue to challenge yourself, you know, 
is that mainly, you know, is that like kind of the uh, team fusion? Like, you know, they're kind of tell you about this, about this coming up or you finding it yourself or is it kind of both or? Um, well, once you're, for lack of a better term, in the system, um, they, people will message you. Um, like they'll message my coaches and be like, hey, we, um, we have a 155 guy who's in need of a fight. Would you be interested? It's November 6th, whenever. And then, uh, but we also have a couple of hometown promotions here. Okay. And so you can let them know, hey, your next show in February, we have four guys and these are their weight classes. And so they can kind of put me in. And then when we get the opponent, we can back, no, he's not ready for that guy. Or yeah, we'll take that fight. And you kind of do a negotiating okay. from there. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so when you say in, into the system, for lack of better words, how do you how do you get in the system? Is that like um, basically you you just contact the promoter. The promoter um, when they come to town will usually try to get a hold of all the different gyms around. Okay, and so that's kind of how you. And so like one of the hometown promoters here, his name is Eric Stevens. Okay, and uh, so once you're once you fought for him, next time he's in town, he'll message again. He'll be like, "Hey, are you interested in fighting? I have these three guys. Talk to your coaches, kind of a thing." Okay, and he'll go and he'll go from there. Um, also, once you fight, you're added on to, there's a database online, and so then he, he can go in as a promoter, and he can look up all the Springfield fighters at 155, Okay. and so then he can go through and message and get a feel for who's interested in fighting over the next three months, and he can piece together a show that way as well. Okay, so you kind of um, kind of throw yourself in there for yeah. lack of better terms. <laughs> yeah, um, and although I'm willing to fight, sometimes my coaches may say, look, that's a, that's a poor fight, because the fighter in me, I'm always, I want the toughest guy. But it's not, if I take six tough fights and go 0-6, oh like, that's put, I'm doomed from the start then. Yeah. So you have to play it smart without necessarily padding your record. So you, it, there's smart fights and then there's dumb fights, and you have to make sure you're taking the smart fights. Do, like, besides, like, looking at the record and stuff, I mean, <clears throat> you know, if you have a component and, you know, like a dumb fight, for instance, mm-hmm. um, if if you're looking uh, at, you know, Joe, Joe from Springfield, you're trying right. to fight. Do you go back and look at rather than just his record, but do you like see like tapes and kind of see absolutely um, before you make that decision? As as a pro, almost all your fights will be put online. But as an amateur, I tried to actually keep all, a lot of mine off because I didn't want people seeing yeah. what I like to do. But a lot of guys, so you're kind of you're kind of at their will at that point. But a lot of guys do. They'll put videos up and um, they so you can go YouTube and you can put. Garrett Conley, I don't know what his name, and then uh, he will, sometimes you'll find 10 videos, sometimes you'll find one, but at least give you an idea of their style. Okay. Because, like, although my style has evolved, I still have that wrestler background, and although a boxer may evolve to more of a ground game, he still has the boxer stand-up, and so you can watch, and everybody has tendencies, um, so it's about trying to pick apart tendencies. Watching films just as just as important as act- the actual fighting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then as far as, like, um, these different opportunities, like, I know you said, um, you know, uh, you do a lot here, the hometown in Springfield. Mm-hmm. Um, where else is some of those amateur ones kind of taking you around, or, like, how far has that span so far? Um, as far as an amateur, I ended up, I was able to fight in Little Rock. I fought down in Cassville at one point, and then in Kansas City as well. Okay. Um, most of them, uh, I was 7-1 and one as an amateur, and... Four of them were here in the hometown, so then three or four were out of town. So, um, which is great that half of them were able to be in front of my friends and family. Yeah. Here. Um, and then when I turned pro, my first uh, my first fight was in Memphis, and uh, 
they we didn't they asked me if I wanted to fight then because they had just they'd heard about me and one of my teammates from here. And so I got to go all the way to Memphis and fight this uh 2 weeks ago now. Just yeah, over say, it 2 weeks too ago, long yeah, ago. October 13th. And so that was uh that was pretty nice. Um and then I fought this past weekend on a very short notice fight and uh here in the hometown. So but those are the places I really got to go so far. Okay. So so to kind of jump into the first um pro one. So mm-hmm. that was more or less um I I guess uh, due in fact to the reputation that you, I guess, had built for mm-hmm. yourself, I guess, within um, and the, f- the fight community, I yeah. guess, would be the best. Yeah. And Memphis is what, like eight hours? It was hours? about five hours. Oh, five, five hours, hours okay. Depending so, on who's driving. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Um, don't have the private jet yet. Right. <laughs> yeah, not yet. Um, so, so basically, uh, so you just got a, a call basically from the guy saying, hey, mm-hmm. you think you'd be a good matchup? And the then... promoter of uh, Attitude MMA was the promotion name. And they're like, hey, we have a really good 155-er if you'd like to challenge yourself. And uh, he was supposed to be like their their Memphis All-Star at 155. He was he only had one other loss as well, and that guy's now making it to the top ranks of the UFC. So it was definitely a tough fight to take. And... Um, but we said, okay, give us a couple days. We watched his video, kind of found out his tendencies, and we're, we believed that my wrestling was going to be better and our stand-up would be at about equal. So as soon as I was able to get to the ground, I should be able to win. Yeah. And, uh, which, like I said, is going to be my game plan most of the time. And so uh, we believed we could win, and I put in a good, a good eight-week fight camp for it, and I practiced taking advantage of all his poor tendencies, basically. And so when I was in there, I knew just about everything he was going to do and ended up being able to beat him in the second round. Wow. So, so f- from the time that you said yes to the fight itself, you mm-hmm. said it was about eight weeks. Yep. So, what all goes into that? So, you just mentioned on some of it, kind of watching and knowing his mm-hmm. tendencies and how to counteract with him and whatnot. What else goes into that? There's uh, a lot of drilling. Um, you have to worry about your weight cut at that point. Um, when I was eight weeks out, um, I was probably sitting about 195, 197. So, then I had to get down to 155 wow. over the course of eight weeks. So I had that weight cut going on, but then we would pick apart where we thought the openings were going to be, so there was a lot of drilling. Um, uh, for this one, I did a lot of pressure because he was very very strong and very explosive, so I needed to be able to make sure I could hold him down. I had to make sure everything was tight, and I couldn't be sloppy with that. And uh, and then there was one submission called the Mars Choke that I just I knew was going to be there with the, his movement and the things he does, and uh, that was actually how I was able to finish it, and I drilled that, that choke thousands of times. So over the course of the eight weeks. Okay, yeah, so you just kind of figure that mm-hmm. out and just keep yeah. repeating. Yeah, like he had a, so for instance, he had a wide stance, and so I knew when we were standing up, I was going to want to kick his lower leg a lot. And if you kick, like any time he was kicked above the knee, he would reach down and he'd try to grab it. So I was trying to kick it low ankle and in his calf so he couldn't grab my leg and try to take me down because I wanted to take him down when I was ready to go. Yeah. I didn't want to end up on bottom. And so... That's just one like little segment of the game plan that we were doing. I was trying to low leg kick instead of high, and because I wanted to make it hard for him to explode and have that momentum with his punches and his shots and stuff like that. Wow. Yeah. Is there is there? I mean, obviously there is partly mental, but what is kind of the mental um, the mental preparation as far as not only you know obviously studying what they're doing mm-hmm. and figuring out how to counteract it, but like kind of psyching yourself up or trying not to get. Disc- I don't know if there's any discouragement goes on to eight weeks, but I mean, that's a long absolutely waiting time of like, yeah, it, it absolutely you is. Know. Um, 
when you're also over the, so over the course of eight weeks, like say I start at practices that are 60%, but by the time I have to gradually increase those. So by the seven week, seven and a half week mark, I'm in the best shape of my life basically. Um, and so of course, during eight weeks, you have a bad day and whether even something I drilled a hundred times, if I'm not hitting it one day, I get frustrated because I know that I should. And it's just, it's just living to fight another day. You can't get mad because you had one bad day. It's a bad day, not a bad camp yeah. kind of a thing. And, um, but yeah, definitely I get frustrated. Some days I'm more sluggish than others. Some days I'm just not making the right reads. And so it, it does get frustrating. I think that this is probably 75% mental, the whole yeah. thing in general. It's a lot, it's a lot more mental and, um, you just have to be, you have to be ready. Um, anytime I had a bad day, I just made sure I'd go home and watch more films so that I would know what he was going to do. And I try to drill with people that are a little heavier than me too. And so Makes then sense, in the yeah. long run, but then once I start getting weight, like when I weigh 165 and I'm almost to weight, they're still at 190. And so they're heavier and they're stronger than me at that point. And then, yeah, I get, I get frustrated because it seems like it's a, from one day to the next, I started getting whooped up on. It's, it's frustrating. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> So, okay, so from, so you finish up the eight-week tra- training mm-hmm. and whatnot, um, and then, you know, from what what kind of happens once you get, you know, into Tennessee and, you know, the, the, the weigh-in, is that the night, before, the day before? It's the day before, the yeah. Day before? You, um, so in Memphis, we weighed in on Friday the 12th. Okay. Um, I, had, I had from 3 o'clock to 4.30 to weigh in, and actually when I got there, I was .6 overweight. Okay, so, uh, so what, is, what does that mean? I mean, obviously you're overweight, but what does that mean in that professional? Um, well, there's different ways to go about it. Um, they could have went to him and said, look, he's .6 over. He, how much, like what percentage of his money do you want to take? And So then we negotiate and he's going to get more of my money then. Um, really? Or he could say, you know what, he missed. We're not fighting at all. He could pull that card if he wanted to. And there was no way I made that cut. And so I, when I stepped on at, it was like 3.15. Um, I, I saw that I was over, so I threw on my clothes, and we drove back to the, the hotel. And I, on the way there, I was putting on sweats and my running shoes and then my hoodie. And I tightened my hoodie all the way up, and uh, we had to check into the hotel. And then I went straight into the gym area, and I got on the treadmill. And typically before, um, before weigh-ins and before the fights, you try to stay off your legs because you want them fresh when it comes fight day. Um, but I knew that just going to try to get, again, a hot tub and tub cut or cut into a sauna, it, I wasn't going to have enough time because so, I was too dehydrated. So I got on, and I ran about a mile and a half. Uh, I was already dehydrated, and I did feel rough. And uh, as soon as I got a really good sweat going, I told my coach um, to go up to his room, and we made the bathroom into a sauna. He turned the bathtub on as hot as it could go, and then he turned the sink on, so it was steaming when I went in there. And... Uh, I got up on top of the counter because the heat rises, yeah. and I cuddled into a ball, um, and I would go in segments. I'd sit there for like three minutes, and then I'd bounce, and I couldn't fit a jump rope in the bathroom. I'd bounce like I was jump roping for three to four minutes, and I'd get back into a ball. And I went in segments so I could keep the sweat going, and I ended up, I did, but with running and the, and the bathroom ordeal, it was probably 30, 35 minutes worth of like sweating and effort, and uh so then we were going to be cutting it close because it was another 15-minute drive back. And by the time we got there, I weighed in at a 155.2. So I lost a pound and a half there in about 30 minutes or so. But it was it was not fun. It was, oh. My scale is usually heavy. Um, 
and it would ended up being lighter than theirs by about 0.6. I thought it was going to be dead on, and I was not. That's so, insane. Yeah, it was it was not fun. <laughs> so okay, so you said um you had uh, I forget the the weigh in time three to four thirty three to four thirty. So mm-hmm. you, so you, I'm assuming you got there like right at three for that yeah. first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then you have until 4.30 to make an adjustment before they go to the other fighter exactly, and say, yeah. mm-hmm. this is your call. Exactly. Okay, and yeah. obviously the same thing would happen if he would have come in mm-hmm. over. Yeah, and then we can negotiate. And the more they miss, the more percentage you can, like, I'm not going to be like, oh, well, you missed by .6, here's, I want $1,000. He would have been like, I want 150 bucks type. But I wasn't willing to give that well, up. Yeah. And, I, and with it being his hometown, I didn't want to take the chance of him having too strong of the negotiations. He was the A-side fighter at that point, and I couldn't I couldn't risk that. That's crazy. I've never missed weight before, and I wasn't going to start now. Yeah, so. yeah definitely not. Um, so, um, what, is there a difference, like, if they, if they weigh, like, under, like, by No, you can, you can weigh. Um, or is there, like, a, is there a limit where you can weigh under? You can't go into the next weight class, so basically they couldn't weigh under 145. Okay, okay. Yeah, so... If you're, but if you're doing that, you're just going down a weight anyways. So. Yeah. Wow. So, okay, so after all that chaos with you sweating everything out, and then I'm soon, okay, so then you get in, you're weighed in, and then you can start hydrating, Right, hopefully. yeah. <laughs> so then I had from 4.30-ish to, I probably fought at 10 o'clock the next day. Okay. So that's why I'm so willing to drain myself and cut weight like that because, I mean, that ends up giving me 30 hours to rehydrate. Yeah. So I felt... I fell back to about 95% by the time I fight then. Um, and I try to put on as much as possible. Overnight, I actually put on 22 pounds. That's that's the difference maker. That That's why I cut weight. I uh, weighed at 55.2, and when I went into the cage, uh, I stepped on a scale right before, and I was at 177.2. How, and it was, how does that even happen? <laughs> uh, it's, uh, well, I went and I put down three full Pedialytes to okay. get everything back in my body. I drank almost a full case of water. I had... Uh, like four plates of spaghetti plus a salad and some cliff bars and uh and then I also had a protein drink and it's just by the time all that gets back into your system and I I will be miserably full like Thanksgiving dinner type full <laughs> until about noon fight day so that gives me a huge chunk of time 18 hours or so just to eat everything in sight um and then I'll dial back and my by the time it digests it I'm not overly full come fight time and I'll I'll munch on a couple cliff bars throughout the day, but after after an early lunch on fight day, I really don't eat a whole lot till after the fight. Huh. Mm-hmm. So and th- so like you said you you step on the scale before then. I mean, they don't they don't even care. No, as long as you make weight, you make weight and they don't really care after that. That's wild. Yeah. I get that's, that's, I just, it's crazy. It like blows my mind. In, in my personal opinion, I think there needs to be some kind of rule. I get why they do the the way in the day before because on the higher ups, it's it's more for marketing. You can they can market as a whole extra event, more more yeah, concession yeah. St- sales, more regular ticket sales, all that. But there needs to be some kind of rule as far as oh, he can only come in ten percent heavier. Yeah, type thing, something like that, because. It, it would prevent a lot of these crazy... I would have to fight at 170 if I couldn't come in more than 10% yeah. heavier. But because I can and because other people cut crazy amounts of weight, that makes everybody have to cut weight like that. And so the deal is you just have to dehydrate yourself as low as you can go to the lowest weight class and then balloon up as fast as possible. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So it's, It is nuts. <laughs> it, is, it is crazy. That was not, yeah, not what I was expecting to hear, honestly. But... <laughs> yeah. um, 
so okay so then uh, 10 o'clock comes around and and you're ready to I guess mm-hmm. get in the well cage. all day what do you I'm, yeah what are you doing before then as far as mentally and preparing and what actually mo- for most of the fight camp so for seven of the eight weeks I was confident I didn't really have a whole lot of nerves and then it was like you finally get into that final week and everything becomes a little more a little more real you're like, yeah oh gosh so this Saturday I am I am fighting basically and so it becomes it's close and it's real and the waves come in one minute I may be panicking like oh my gosh I have a dude that's coming to rip my head off this Saturday basically and then five minutes later I'm the dude that's gonna rip someone's head off so you just kind of the waves and the con- it comes confidence comes in crazy waves like nothing I've ever felt before fighting but it's been like this for all 11 of my fights now 10 yeah. of my fights and so and every fighter says that they get the same the same waves and so I read somewhere one time that if you chew gum, you can't be as nervous because your body thinks you're eating, and so uh, ah. you wouldn't be eating if you're in any real danger. And so I try to always be chewing gum on does fight it help? day. Uh, I think it does, but I also think it's just a mental thing. Yeah, like, well, because hey. because I believe that it works type <laughs> thing. Um, and so I'm always chewing gum, and anytime I get nervous, I go back and I actually like to rewatch their videos because it just puts me. In the, I've done this for seven weeks. So I'm comfortable watching their videos. Yeah. Um, I listen to soft music um, before because it just keeps me relaxed and I don't want my heartbeat escalating and going crazy and my adrenaline dumping pre-fight. That'd be terrible. Um, and so I'll listen to like cool jazz music or like bands like the Lumineers and stuff yeah. like that a couple hours out and it's just soft, easy music. And then as we get closer, I'll put on some like cla- like ACDC or I'll put on some kind of rock, give or take. Huh. And when my heartbeat's ready to go while I'm warming up and then I actually walk out to a... I'm never, I've never, like, been an angry fighter, so I actually will walk out to Ain't No Mountain High by Marvin Gaye. Really? That's, like, my, that's my go-to song, and it, it puts me in a good mood, but I've just, it, it fits me, I feel like, because I've, I've never had to be one of those angry fighters. I don't have to, like, psych myself out mentally. Yeah. I, I love the sport, and I love the beauty of it, um, so I really don't, I'm not necessarily afraid. It's just those typical nerves of someone's, someone's trying to whoop up on me here yeah. in a few minutes. And so it's just, it's the nerves of any sport. Uh, football players get the same thing, I'm sure. It's just competition nerves is what, yeah. what comes up. But yeah, once usually once I start warming up in the back and I'll hit pads in the back and like stance in motion and stuff like that, my nerves kind of go away. It's when I'm sitting there in silence and I just really it's, get to think. Yeah, that's yeah. when everything, that's when it's the worst. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So how long do you, how long does it take to warm up? Uh, before the actual fight itself, before you're actually in the cage? For me, I think I'm a little different. Um, I feel like I have to get my body very loose to go. So I'll even just, I'll put on headphones and I'll just walk around and I very lightly jog for 20 minutes, almost 25 minutes, and then I'll start warming up and then I'll stretch and I'll do a little harder jog and I'll warm up again. And I kind of have steps. But I have friends who are like, okay, I need like eight minutes to get warm. And I'm like, no, that's, I'm yeah. not even stretched out in that time. And so, but those are the same guys who can wake up and like roll straight into a workout. And if I, like my workout's at eight, I'm up at six because my body's just not awake. In that yeah. Time. So I'll stretch and I just make sure I'm fully loose. I probably warm up for 45 minutes, okay. 45 minutes, 50 minutes before my fight, typically. Is So does that, does that ever have an effect of like you going into the cage itself as far as like, um... Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you have to be careful not to wear yourself out in that. Right, yeah. Um, I really I watch my heart rate a lot. Um, a lot of it is like 
like when I say 45 minute warm up, 15 of that, the start of it might just be me walking and really like shaking myself out. So it's not strenuous. It's just walking and getting my body awake. Yeah, yeah. Because I really do try, like Saturday before the Memphis fights, I just sat in a hotel room with my feet up. So my body, even though I was awake, my body was still in, just in camp out mode. It wasn't, it wasn't used to being active that day. Yeah. And so I really try to get my body loose and. I've had fights where I went in and I didn't feel like I was warmed up all the way and I lost the first round because I was still trying to get warmed up. Okay. And so then you're fighting from behind and it's, it's a whole different strategy when you're down a round. Yeah. And so I definitely would rather, but I would rather be overly warm than not warm enough because I know my cardio will always be there. My cardio is the thing that I work on the most. Okay. And so usually between rounds, I'm still like breathing out of my nose while other people are gassed. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm not really afraid of my body. Young. I have to do that though to get all the way to 55 because it's such a crazy cut for me. Yeah. And so, so no, I'm never, I'm never afraid of gassing in the in the cage. Typically, it's a good thing not to be worried about. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good feeling. <laughs> I know I can always push the pace if I need yeah, to. Yeah, so. definitely if you can control that. So, mm -hmm. and and then uh, kind of we've got up to the warm up and now I guess the uh, the fight itself. What. Uh, I mean, not to go too many details, but kind of what was that experience like, and then what you know outcome and all that fun stuff as well. Um, well, back to kind of the nerves as you're about to walk out right before, right when I know my um, my name's about to be called. I really, I, I kind of talk to myself and I'll, I'll whisper like, "He can't keep like he can't keep up with you." It's kind of a confidence thing. Yeah, kind of cliche, kind of lame, but I'm like, he can't he can't endure this. He can't keep up with your pace. He's smaller than you. And I just, I talk myself and I, I tell myself out loud all the reasons why this is going to go in my favor, basically. It's just a confidence thing that I've always done. And then as soon as I hear, they, they announce my name, like Austin Clem, and my music starts, all the nerves just kind of start to simmer and my adrenaline spikes. And it's a good adrenaline and I love the feeling. And uh, so I'll get out there and I, I hug up with my coaches and my my. Uh, teammates that walk me out and stuff and when they all go and the guy starts putting the Vaseline on your face to the cut man that really every time and I don't know why my adrenaline like I just kind of like go numb almost I really don't yeah. feel anything at that point huh and um I it's almost like uh, in the video games like that tunnel vision yeah yeah it's almost like that I don't feel anything I'm just emotionless at the time and I, it's one of my favorite parts actually because I just don't feel anything I'm just gonna let go yeah I'm fighting one way or the other. I'm either ready or not. Type thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then I get up in there, and every time I climb up in there, I remember why I love it. Like just the feeling of like the cage and on my feet and everything. I I love the feeling of being in there. And uh, I go over and I'll talk to my coach, and I keep things lighthearted. Like I said, I'm not some angry fighter. I don't have to psych myself out. And so we'll talk, and I'll be like, "Oh, it was a good crowd," and I'll kind of crack a joke here and there. And he's always he always says it blows him away how relaxed I am in there. But I, I just thoroughly enjoy. I wouldn't be there if I wasn't enjoying myself. Yeah. Basically, I wouldn't keep fighting. And uh, so we went through. And once the fight starts, I start hitting a couple of the low kicks I wanted to hit. Um, and then he came at me with a hard overhand, and I tried to step back, and I slipped on the canvas. I ended up on bottom, right where I did not want to be. And uh, I got up, and I, I scrambled, and I got up to my feet again. And then we separated. Or I took him down and we separated. And uh, then he took, he actually did take me down. His shots were pretty good. And he, um, 
those low kicks were the death of me. It was like I, the canvas was so slick, I felt like I couldn't step away fast enough. Everybody's canvas, his almost felt like a, a felt, like a carpet type thing. Oh, yeah, on, yeah. So my feet were slipping out. Like the promoter here, it's more of a, a tarp type okay. feeling. So it just kind of varies on the promotion, too. I guess I didn't really and, think about that being a yeah, factor Yeah, it's, it's as a well. bigger factor than you would think, or than it should be, I guess. I think there should be a standard. Like yeah, should have that's what be. I kind of figured there'd be. Yeah, and uh, there's really not. But they, uh, so he took me down, and he uh, he actually sunk in a choke at one point, and it, was, it wasn't ever close to finishing me, but we kind of hit like a, a stalemate. The ref even came over, and I gave him a double thumbs up, and I was like, I'm in no danger. I just... I'm just stuck here, basically. Yeah. And I was on my back. And so the ref stood us back up. And then we started uh, throwing again. And I put him against the cage. Um, and I could feel he was starting to gas. And I was just feeling fine still. And so right at the start of... Or that was towards the end of the first then. And uh, I could feel he was starting to gas. And he started to panic. Because everybody does when you can't breathe. Yeah, um, yeah. And so it made the takedown way easier, and I took him down right at the very end of the first period, or first round, and then in between rounds, I remember I was still breathing on my nose, I, I, I looked like I hadn't even been in a fight yet or anything, and I remember looking across, and he was sitting down, and he couldn't even take a drink out of his water bottle because he was so gassed, and I was like, oh, this, this just made my life easier. Um... And I remember thinking, since in his hometown, that first round was pretty close because he did have the choke, and so they'd given like a point for at least attempting the choke, and it looked like he got a couple takedowns. So I assumed I lost the first round just because it's his hometown and he had the bigger crowd at that yeah. point. Um, and the second round came, and I got put up against the cage pretty early on, and I went to shift all my weight onto my left foot, and it slipped, and I ended up sitting on my butt against the cage, and I was like... And you can see in the video, uh, my face has never never hid my facial expressions. Yeah. I'm terrible about my face says everything. And on the camera, you can like I, I remember rolling my eyes and I just like sat there, kind of like bummed out, like this blows. And then I looked up at the big screen because I looked at us on the screen yeah. that they have in there. And I looked over to my coach and he he like laughed at me because he's like I've never seen anyone so calm. Like how you have someone in there trying to rip your head off and you're <laughs> so relaxed. And I smirked at him. And uh, I posted on his head because when he came in, I met him with an elbow. And when he lowered it, he left the hole. And I, I put my arm in. And I got the choke that I had drilled like a thousand times. Yeah. So it was right there like I thought it was going to be. But I, I just set it up with a light elbow because I knew he wasn't going to feel it. And when he ducked his head, he left the hole wide open. And I was able to finish it uh, early on in the second round. Nice. That's kind of the, that's kind of my vantage point of what happened. So it sounds like the biggest challenge for you was the mat. It was, yeah. He, I, he, I didn't <laughs> not to discredit him, but... Yeah, no, he was, not to discredit him, he was very explosive and he was very, very strong. I could, but he burnt all his strength out in the very first round. Yeah. And so, so, yeah, that was nice. And then actually I got a, I got real emotional after the win because my coach surprised me with uh, my purple belt in jiu-jitsu. Oh, yeah. Which is a, a huge stepping stone and I don't necessarily feel like I should have got it. But apparently he does. So he um, not only did I get my first pro win, but he gave me that in the cage afterwards. So that was that was really cool. Made me tear up a little bit. That was pretty nice. That's awesome. That's yeah. A, yeah, that's a pretty nice way to kind of finish yeah. It, <laughs> it was fantastic. He's, he said he's always wanted to do it, and then he it was his belt when he competed in the world tournaments and stuff like that. And so it was pretty cool of him to give that to me. That is awesome. Yeah. Sounds like you got a, a good group over there, a good coach over there as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. 
so then it was just kind of, um, I don't know. I don't. I mean, yeah, I'm sure you're celebrating at that point. You know. Oh yeah, we went out to Beale Street and we artists. we all hung out, and then I got back. Yeah, uh, I actually had a probably 75 people make the drive to Memphis. I had a That's great awesome. group of people come over, and um, it was. I can't thank them enough. I can't believe they all drove five five and a half hours to come to come see me. So not only did they make that drive, but they bought the hotel rooms. Yeah. And they they just went all in, and I've always I have always been super impressed with. Like my following, I guess they. Um, I never would have dreamed I'd have people that would pay to come watch me and do stuff like that. And now, for every fight, like we, we sold out the. We took over the shrine, and that was on nine days' notice. Really? They, yeah, they. I had a huge. I ended up selling almost two hundred tickets to that in in nine days. It's just unreal the the following I have. Um, but yeah, going into that, I did. Uh, I took a short notice fight. It was a guy that we thought. It was gonna not an easy win, but definitely a, a winnable fight in front of the like the hometown. I I couldn't pass it up, and uh, that was this past weekend then, and he was not the same fighter that we had saw on tape. Yeah, he's, he's clearly evolved and he's grown, which props to him. Um, we went and we circled, we tapped hands and we circled just like I had uh, planned on doing. Yeah, and I took him to my my corner and I threw a kick. And it missed, and when I came back on my right, I reshifted back to my left, and I caught his overhand right on my eye. That's why I have this nice shiner here. For those of you guys who can't see that, it's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, it was, on Sunday it was completely swollen shut. I couldn't, I couldn't open it, um, and that that really rocked me. The best thing is like, uh, like in Call of Duty when they throw that flash and oh, everything yeah, kind of yeah, goes yeah, white. Yeah. Uh, think about it like that, except. And then I was fuzzy, like my whole body felt like it was like asleep almost, like when your hand goes yeah. to sleep. My whole body was like that. And I just could never, he came in and I grabbed his legs and we stood up like I was going to take him down. My instincts kicked in, so wrestling came came to play. And I put him against the fence and he started throwing like, I, I don't know if they actually would have hurt if I wasn't already dazed, but I could feel them. So I took him down and I was so far gone that like when I took him down with my head being on his hip, it almost like put me out then again uh, so I was I was out on my feet basically from one of the first punches and uh, he exploded up and I just remember thinking like this is this is gonna hurt this is not good and I really tried to recover um, and then he caught me against the cage and he dropped me and I went back to his legs again and he landed a couple and the refs the ref stopped it it was about four minutes in I think okay but that it was just after that that first connection, I could just never get my feet just, back. Yeah, my body and my mind just would not would not realign. So it was it was a chance. I mean, that's what you that's a chance you take when you, yeah. I mean, it's kind of part of it. What uh, was yeah. he from Springfield too? No, he was from St. Louis actually. Oh, St. Louis. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you think uh, part of that? I mean, you know, or I guess part of that reason um, was you know for the first fight, you know, you had eight weeks. This one, you had you know two weeks. Um, yeah. Is it, do you think, you know, obviously there's different things that happen once you're actually in the cage, mm-hmm. but I guess what, what can you attribute that to? And I don't know attribute is probably the wrong word. Um, and then kind of, how are you using that to learn and kind of grow going into the next one of like what you can change and, you know, just to get mm-hmm. better, you know? Well, he was heavier than me. So I, I learned I should not fight at 175 anymore. Um, on this short notice fight, we took it at 175. We knew I was already going to be in shape, and so that kind of played into it. Um, 
I weighed in. I mean, I weighed in in all my clothes with a jacket at like one seventy two point six. So yeah, I was I was way lighter than him. And in the video, you can see he he towers over me like I usually do to other yeah. people. <laughs> so I got a taste of my own medicine there. And he, uh, but I mean, I let my left hand slip. Um, I thought that I really would probably wouldn't have done a whole lot differently um, as far as in the fight. Because it was, I just got caught. Really, props to him. That guy hit so hard, and every punch I felt, I was, he he had hands of stone. It was unbelievable. <laughs> so as far as in the fight, I wouldn't have done a whole lot differently. Um, outside of the fight, I probably won't take any more short, short notice fights. I mean, I only had. I, I watched a few of his videos, and I thought I had him figured out. I was like, okay, he's gonna throw heavy. If I can take him down, I didn't anticipate to get caught. Obviously. Um, but I'll definitely have a stronger game plan from here on out. Unless I get some crazy offer, I won't take a short notice fight like that again. And I won't ever fight higher than 55 again. Uh, I think 55 is my home. And the guys at 75 really are that much bigger. Yeah. And so I don't I don't want to I don't want to play with that anymore. Because I'm sure he weighed in at 75 and he probably was 195 when he fought. So he had a full 20 pounds yeah. on the line, So Yeah, I guess that's that still blows my mind yeah. that you can do that. But yeah, especially exactly. what you said, put that in perspective. So that was my body weight and he came in way heavier. So everything he landed, I just, the guy hit so hard. I've never, I've never been hit like that before. Yeah. So I don't think I'd want to be hit by a 195-pound yeah. dude, so props to you anyways. Yeah, well, like, and like I said, I mean, 90% of those punches may not have hurt in a regular basis, but because he caught me with that one, it's I was already off. so far dazed, and I just remember, like, my mind was a, probably a full second behind on the reaction time, and then my body was, like, two seconds behind that, because I set, like, I set up that choke that I said I practiced a thousand times. That's the one choke that I believe in, in my sleep, I could hit. And I remember he he fell into it. He fell into the trap, and my body couldn't react fast enough yeah. to hit it. My, I was just too, I was too slow, too dazed, and then that slowed down my punch power. So I just never was able to react, and it was a disaster. Well, so yeah. so then from going kind of from like the the high of your first professional win in Memphis, mm-hmm. and then um, you know the one last weekend in Springfield, um, how? Kind of how are you? I mean, you know, obviously those are two extremes. Four, especially mm-hmm. two two big deals as far as being your first, you know, professional right. bouts as well. So how are you keeping kind of that mindset? I mean, like you said, you've never really been an angry dude. Although you know, what you do mm-hmm. is beat up people, but right. you know, <laughs> right? But no, how, how do you kind of keep that that mindset and composure moving forward and not letting that affect you with the next opportunity? Um, it's kind of what we said earlier about being overly competitive. Mm-hmm. Um. In some ways, I'm a terrible loser, and in some ways, I'm a good loser. I, I don't know. That sounds bad, because I... Well... Um, as far as a terrible loser, immediately after the fights, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to do anything. I went home, and I went straight to bed after the fight. Like, everybody... Friends and family, as much as I appreciate them, they wanted to talk and make sure I was okay, and I'm like, just don't touch me. Please go away yeah. for now. And I can't even watch the Raiders games without getting irritated on Sundays. <laughs> so, Are you a Raiders fan? I'm a huge Raiders fan, yeah. yeah Steelers fan, so. Oh, I, there we go. I, I, I yelled at TV and get yeah, very angry. Yeah, I get yelled and so. when they lose, I'm, I'm a bad loser even on Sundays. And so it's actually <laughs> me competing. I'm a terrible loser, and I may take 24 hours to talk to somebody. And this was the first time I'd lost in over two years. 
So it was really, yeah. it was a heartbreak type thing, especially because it was a fight that we took because we really believed I was going to win. It wasn't, it wasn't supposed to be a chance. It was something, it was probably a 75% chance I was going to win this fight. And then it, the odds played against me and I lost. And so it was kind of that, that heartbreak almost. And I was just disappointed in myself. Um, I don't think I did, but at the initial time you start thinking things like maybe I took this too lightly. Maybe this happened. I underestimated them and, and things like that. And so... Um, I did. I went from the highest of highs two weeks ago in Memphis, um, between the win and the purple belt. And I had all my favorite people in one city. Like it was just, everything could not have gone better in Memphis to complete heartbreak that all I want, I want to get better. It's just, it's in my blood. Like I just, I can't, I can't settle with this. It's just not who I am. And so as far as motivation, I've already watched that fight from Saturday. It's only five minutes long, but I've probably watched it 30 times now yeah just to see where my errors were and what happened i was back in the sunday morning um after the fight i got up at 6 30 and i was so mad i went on a jog and had a practice immediately after the fight like and so although i'm a terrible loser like mentally physically and mentally i i just i feel like i have to go prove myself again i'm ready to fight again as soon as this eye heals up yeah um I, I'm just I'm competitive and I'm not gonna let myself end on a note like that. I'm I'm better than that. I got caught and everybody gets caught. And although that's a, a tough pill to swallow at times, it's you have to. Yeah. It, it'll wreck you if not. And it this eats me alive. Um, the phone actually the screensaver on my phone is from two years ago when I lost. It's been that ever since. Because every time I look at my phone, I just see that, and that's just kind of the competitiveness in me. And so uh, I'm I'm actually friends with the photographer. Uh, he's one of my sponsors as well. Okay. And so he, um, he's going to give me the picture. He's going to give me a couple pictures and I'll probably set one of those as my background now. So every time I look at my phone, it's a reminder, like, could you be on your phone or could you be working to get better at, yeah. at your career and what you want to do? And, uh, I framed the picture of two years ago and I put it next to my bed. So I'd wake up to that every morning and it's just, I, I let it eat me alive almost. I let it drain me because that's what is going to push me in the long run. So it's not, so, I mean, although... You, know, you could look at that as like a negative thing, you know, putting mm -hmm. up a picture of that, but you're kind of using that kind of to flip the script to kind of mm -hmm. make yourself exactly. yeah. I just, better. Essentially. I, I hate the feeling. I hate this. The feeling of, I'm a, I hate losing more than I love winning, which I know that's a cliche thing. People have said it, but it's real. Like just the thought of losing just irritates me so much. And like I said, I mean, I get irritated that a team that doesn't know I exist when they lose. <laughs> <laughs> I get so mad. They can hear me through the TV. Yeah. I know they can. Derek Carr is going to play better because I screamed at him and here in Nixon, Missouri. And so. <laughs> I'm the same way. So yeah, I, can, yeah, I, I can relate I, on that a for A lot sure. of guys in their football are. But definitely, I, I use that as motivation. Um, it, it's not going to happen like this again. I refuse to let it happen like this again. And every mistake I made on Saturday, I won't make again type thing. Yeah. And so. I use it. I use the negatives as a positive. I use them as a goal now. That's good. Mm -hmm. so, so then, I guess move, moving, uh, kind of segue, segueing into that. You know, what what kind of like advice could you offer somebody? Um, you know, one, you know, if they're, if they're trying to kind of pursue the same thing, um, whether you know that's working their way up the ranks from amateur to professional, like mm -hmm. you have, or um, you know, just being a, a better person in general or, or kind of handling those situations um, better? You know, what kind of advice can you offer somebody that's kind of following that same path? If that um, makes sense. The best advice is keep showing up, keep doing what you're doing. Um, it kind of goes into that do what you love every day. I, I love this sport. I love to train. 
and so it's not hard for me to get back in. I want to get back in there, and I want to be the best. Um, so it, it's not like it's not like I took a hard like when I was working at the hotel. It's not like I took some bad news at the hotel. Like I wouldn't want to go back to the hotel. But since I love this every single day, and I love learning and growing and pushing myself, it's not it's not hard for me to want to get get back in there and do it just because I see the beauty in the sport and I love everything about it. So my advice would be just just keep showing up, just keep doing it. Thing the more the more time you put in, the better. There's no substitute for time and hard work. Just keep putting it in and, and things will turn. Things will get better. That's awesome. That's, yeah. Well um I well I think uh that's a good way to wrap it up and then where um first of all, but where can people find you online, kinda keep up with you, see uh you know, the next, uh, the next fight is, kind of see what you're up to and whatnot. Um, my Facebook, uh, like everybody knows, Austin Clem. It's a picture of me and my girlfriend in front of the New York skyline. It's not, not hard to find. Um, I'll probably be the first one that pops up <laughs> if you're from around the Springfield area. And then on Instagram, it's Pink Clemonade. <laughs> kind of goes with the last name. Love it, by the way. So, <laughs> thanks. Uh, and I don't, I think it should be, um, a public profile so you can just get on and I'll have my, I have a bunch of fight pictures pro, posted and stuff like that but yeah definitely give me a follow I'll follow you guys back add me on Facebook I had everybody on there so awesome well guys make sure you definitely check him out um, and see what he's up to and uh, thanks again for joining us Absolutely. and, Thank and you for kind of chatting me. Hey guys, I really appreciate you listening and would absolutely love if you left a rating on iTunes, Google Play, Anchor or wherever you're listening to this your feedback is our inspiration to continue these stories and grow.